You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Walter. I'm one of the pastors here. Grateful you guys could be with us to hear about what God is doing, not only in His world, but through His people. And what the Lord is doing through Charles Malingua is an incredible example of His grace and mercy and just the radical change that Jesus brings to His people. And so today, we get the joy of continuing the Radical Prayer series and thinking through what is it that changes us? How do we change as people? And there are some prayers that we see in Scripture that as we pray these prayers, we cannot help but leave that conversation with God different. See, today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, and we're going to be looking at this idea of, Lord, break me. Now, as I was preparing this week, I just I came across this article talking about Americans' pursuit of purpose in their lives. Have you ever asked the question in your own life, what is my purpose? If we're honest with one another, or we would say, yeah, we've asked that. We've asked that question, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What am I existing for? You see, research shows that most Americans ask this on a minimum monthly basis. Most Americans, 80% of Americans are asking, what's my purpose in this world every single month? Now, some of the answers provided by these same people who are looking for purpose in their lives, the answers provided for them, the things that they found that they think give them purpose, the top three answers are spending time with their family, earning money and spending it, by the way, and investing in their career. You see, these are the top three answers that Americans give in terms of what their purpose in life is supposed to be. They say, the only thing I exist for is spending time with my family. Or the only thing I exist for is making money and spending it. Or the only thing I exist for is investing in my career so that I might make that money and spend it and then one day spend time with my family. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but we also have to just consider the implications of this, the results of that pursuit. Because today... Because of those pursuits, because of our commitment to finding these things as our purpose, Americans are in trouble. You see, America as a whole is more depressed than it's ever been in its history. Every study shows that depression and mental illness are at all-time highs in our culture. We look around and we see that Americans are less optimistic than ever. No one thinks this next election is going to go well, right? No one has any optimism anymore. And according to the studies and research, we are less fulfilled than ever before. We've made our focus and our pursuit, our family, our money, our career, and what has been the result? We are not happy, we are not satisfied, and we know it. So if that's the case, what is it? that's going to bring satisfaction? What is it that's going to bring joy? What is it that's going to bring fulfillment in our lives? Is there anything out there that can bring this to us? 
You see, I think the problem with these purposes that the, the researchers have found is that it's all about what I can get. I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm consuming, I'm consuming, I'm consuming, and I'm never satisfied. Yet I believe the truth that we see presented to us in Scripture is this, that you only find your life when you surrender it. You only find your life, your purpose, when you surrender it. Then you find satisfaction. Then you find joy. Then you find fulfillment. Well, where, where in the Bible is this talked about? Where does Jesus show us this? Well, Jesus points us to this in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. As we look at the book of Luke, just to give you some catching up here, the book of Luke is written by one of the apostles. His name is Luke. And he followed Jesus around for a number of years. And he wrote about what Jesus did while he was on earth. And this is one of the books that he wrote telling us about what Jesus did, that is God himself did while he was walking earth. He was so incredible. He even recorded some very specific words like these, beginning in verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. As Jesus gives us these words, He's given us some commands and some guidance on how we're to lose our life, how we're to lie, lay our life down so that we might find fulfillment and satisfaction. The first way that we do that is found in these very first words, and that is, if you're taking notes, your first point, that we are to deny ourselves. Right here in verse 23, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. You see, Jesus begins this passage with a reminder to all who read it. And he says that if anyone would come after me, if you would follow me, if you would call me Lord and Savior, you need to know this. You see, he's given us what is essentially an intro to Christianity, that 101 course you're going to take in college. This is the introduction to the faith for us. It's a core element of our belief. To keep it simple, Jesus is saying that this that he's telling us, it's not optional for Christ's followers. Rather, that if we're going to follow him, we are required, we are obligated to do these things. Conversely, if we are not doing these things, that likely means that we are not Christ followers. And so his command here is very straightforward. He says that his disciples are to deny themselves. Well, deny ourselves? What, what are we supposed to deny? What are we turning away from? Well, we're supposed to deny or to reject anything, anything in our lives that would take us away from a focused walk with Jesus. We're to turn away from anything and everything in our lives that takes our eyes, our gaze off of Jesus. This means that in our lives, we are looking to Jesus for our satisfaction and our hope in this life. It means that our life is no longer built on our family, 
No longer built on our career or our money. Not built on our achievements. No, it is built upon what Christ has done for his people. It is built on this foundation that Jesus declared it is finished once and for all at the cross. Because of this, because of this, we live our lives in pursuit of fulfilling the will of God and living out the teachings of Jesus. We live our lives for the sole purpose of celebrating God's grace and making much of the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Now, this idea of denying ourselves is, frankly, quite radical to consider in our world. It was radical in Jesus' day. I mean, consider the culture he's speaking to. That It hasn't changed very much. It's still a culture that is consumed with gathering more, with experiencing all, with taking all that they can in. Jesus, many times in his teaching, said this in other places in Scripture. And his point consistently as he's proclaiming the grace of God is that we must submit ourselves totally to him. Our lives must be focused on God and God alone. Now, I know that this is really hard for us because we are strong, independent people. And we do not like to have people in authority above us. We, we just don't like it. Now, you might say, Walter, there's no way that's true, right? Like, I get along with people. I, I submit pretty well. Like, things are good, but that's not the truth as who we are as Americans. Maybe you've seen this yellow flag hanging out in your neighborhood somewhere. It's got a rattlesnake coiled up on it. The words, don't tread on me underneath that. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. That's actually one of the most popular symbols from the American Revolution. It was actually created by a South Carolina commander, the first commander of the Navy in the U.S. He put that flag up and even made the Marines use that flag when he began the Marines. And the whole idea was he was proclaiming to the British Empire, you will not take my money. You will not take my land. You cannot tell me what to do. We want to be in complete control of our lives. Our entire history as a country and as people, if we could be honest, is about having control over our lives. We want to be the sole authority over our lives. Yet Jesus is calling us to deny ourselves so that we might become his. He's saying, lay down your life and take up my cross so that you might live. You see, Jesus understands this truth, that our goal in this life, the thing that we are created for, is to ultimately live and risk all for the name of King Jesus. Everything we do, everything we are, is focused on this truth that we exist to celebrate the name of Jesus and ensure that wherever there is no worship of the name of Jesus, we go to those people and proclaim the majesty of our King before them. If we are Christ's followers... Our lives should be marked by radical love for God. 
with a consistent commitment to making his name known to those around us. You see, in our hearts, we could drill down and we're speaking metaphorically, but in our hearts, there's a throne that we place things upon to worship. We love to put things up on this throne to worship and to show off. It's like a nice mantle where we put our shiny rocks and we show people, here is what I've got. And on this throne, we very consistently put things that are called idols up on this throne. And we choose to worship them. That's why we worship and find satisfaction in our family, in our money, in our career. You insert it. We try to worship it because we're chasing fulfillment. This verse is calling us to tear down anything that's on this throne. Take it and just throw it down and put what in its place? To place King Jesus in his rightful place upon the throne of our heart so that we might worship him, truly worship him. You see, Jesus is telling us that if we're going to deny ourselves, if we are consistently denying ourselves, this means that we're going to live selflessly. We're going to live sacrificially. It means that we are denying ourselves. Why? So that Jesus can be elevated. So that the world can see that what we want to be made known is that Jesus has rescued his people. So I ask you this question as we consider this first point. What in your life needs to be denied and taken off of the throne? What in your life needs to be denied and taken off of the throne? We all do it. We all do it. If you don't have something that is funky on the throne right now, you will later this week. I guarantee it. We all do it. We elevate things in our church above Jesus. We elevate things in our personal life above Jesus. We say that there are things that are more important to us than God on a daily basis. We consistently place things above Jesus that shouldn't be elevated, and we are suffering for it. Just look at our culture. Look at the people you live next to, that you work with. They're not thriving in any way, are they? They're hurting. They're suffering. They're dealing with real problems. See, Jesus, through his words today, he is calling us to deny ourselves, to follow him and honor him. This is his command to his disciples. He says, follow me, but first deny yourself. Deny yourself. This denial, it's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. But it begins to pave the way for us to fulfill this next step in our discipleship journey. You see, because Jesus continues speaking, he doesn't just say deny yourselves, but he continues with this idea that we are to sacrifice ourselves. Looking back at verse 23, he says to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and what? Take up his cross daily. And follow me. You see, Jesus commands us to sacrifice ourselves. 
He commands us to begin by taking up our cross daily, taking up his cross on a daily basis. Now, Jesus is not telling us that we're going to physically or literally take up a cross every day. We're not carrying around this hunk of wood with us on a daily basis. Rather, he is telling us that we are to walk in his footsteps. We're to embrace this call he has upon our lives regardless of the consequences. You see, the cross is a symbol of death and condemnation within Jesus' culture. And he is saying this countercultural, radical idea of, hey, this thing that represents death and condemnation and everything bad, why don't you take this up and show the world what you actually live for? We live in a world today, in a culture today, that is, in the best case scenario, they couldn't care less about our faith. They just couldn't. They don't care. In the worst case scenario, they are hostile to us because of what we believe. Simply put, we are going to encounter conflict in this world by following God. That is going to happen. The things we believe, the things we desire to do is going to have us butt up against people within our culture who disagree, who want to live differently. Now, we need to be clear about this conflict and this opposition we're going to encounter. We're going to encounter it because we're following Jesus, right? If you're running into opposition and you're not a nice person, well, your reason people don't like you is because you're a jerk. It's not because you're a Christ follower. It's because you're not nice. They don't want to be around you. But if you are a Christ follower living that out, you're going to run into some conflict. Now, it's not going to be because you have a boss who's kind of prickly and annoying. It's not going to be because people make unfair decisions. It's not going to be because you've got an annoying neighbor who tells you to trim your hedges. Like you, those aren't the things that are opposition from the world. It's going to be because people are going to reject relationship with you because you're following Jesus. They're going to say no to Jesus, therefore they need to say no to you. It is going to happen that people are going to reject us because of following Jesus. Yet, doesn't Jesus proclaim to these same disciples that they are to go forth and make disciples of all the world teaching them to obey everything he has commanded them, baptizing them, discipling them. Jesus is saying, this world has rejected me and they're going to reject you, but you're not going to give up on them because you are going to go to proclaim the good news of what I have done in your life. Perhaps you're picking up what's happening here, but Jesus is telling us that as we take up our cross and follow him, People will reject us because of what we believe. Yet we are not called to give up on them. We are called to ultimately sacrifice ourselves so that we might love these people who are practically our enemies. We are to sacrifice ourselves to offer love, grace, and kindness to those who are in rebellion against God. This means that we're going to have to sacrifice our pride. 
That we can't walk around puffed up. Look at what Jesus did for me. No. We would be in the same boat if it were not for the grace of God that He offers to us. It means we have to sacrifice arrogance. You know, if these people would just come to church, they would figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Well, guess what? They don't know Jesus, and they don't know you, and they don't want to go worship Him. And so if they're never going to come through the doors of the church, how will they have an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the gospel? It will be because you and I, following the representation of Christ, go to them. It means we'll have to sacrifice preferences. You know, we live in an ever-changing world and things are just changing so rapidly that it feels like when you've just adapted to how things are going, new stuff is coming on the horizon. What that means is that sometimes the things that we're most comfortable with will have to be the things we give up so that people might see, hear, and respond to the name of Jesus. That might mean we change how we do music. That might be we change how we do ministries. The point of this is to ultimately reshape who we are so that we are better able to reach a lost and dying world. I don't know about you, but when I pass from this earth and I stand before Jesus, I don't want to have him say that I was a hindrance to the mission of God. I don't want him to say that you did not do everything that you could to reach those who are far from God. What I want him to proclaim is well done, my good and faithful servant. What I want to do is finish well. By God's grace, I may have another 40, 50 years on this earth. And I want to live the rest of my life for the glory of King Jesus. How does that happen? It only happens if we practice radical selflessness in a self-centered world. It only happens if we practice selflessness in a self-centered world. Everywhere you look, what is the world proclaiming? It's all about me. It's all about me. That's what selfies are there for, to show you me. That's what the picture of my plate of food is, to show you what I'm eating. That's why I'm snapping a picture of this view I've got, because I want you to be jealous of where I'm at. How countercultural is it to say, it's not about me, it's about him? That he must increase and I must decrease. How counterculture is it if we proclaim to the world this message that Jesus came to rescue a people who are broken by sin? And the story is about him, not them, and not us. You see, it's a vastly different response, it turns the world upside down. We're called to live in a way that both sets us into conflict with the world but also draws them in because they're saying that this is different than anywhere else. They're both repelled and attracted to this love that comes from self-sacrifice. You see, a crucified Savior, He is not well served by self-pleasing, self-indulgent people. He is well served by sacrificial 
generous people. So many of us are so quick to say that we will follow Jesus and we would even die for him. And I think that's really good that you would, your heart is stirred by God and you're willing to give your life for him. Yet, I think a better question for us to consider is this. Are we willing to follow Jesus and live for him? Are we willing to follow Jesus and live for him? Will we eliminate distractions and deny ourselves focusing in on Jesus? Will we be more intentional in our relationships and our interactions with people so that we might proclaim the good news of who Jesus is? Will we place others and their needs, their desires, their preferences above ourselves so that Christ might be glorified? You see, the truth is, we think we're sending a really strong message about how we feel about Jesus when we say, I would die for him, but here's the truth. We only die once, but we have to live every day. And the greater cost, the harder path to take in this life is to choose to live for Jesus every single day. And this is the sacrifice that Christ is calling us to, to take up our cross daily and to live for Him. Now as you've heard this, you've read this, you're looking at this and you're saying, I've got to be self-denying. I've got to be self-sacrificial. I've got to give of myself. Where, does, where do I find this? How do I find the source? Where do I get the courage, the strength to live in this way? Well, Jesus shows it to us in the last part of 23 and in verse 24. You see, we are called to surrender ourselves to him. Look back at verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You see, Jesus commands his disciples to follow him. Now you might look at this and you might think, well, is that really a call to surrender? Like, I, I'm not sure. He's, he's just telling his disciples to follow him. But it's within context of verse 24 that we see that Jesus is not just telling the disciples to walk in his footsteps. No, he's telling them the only way to the Father, the only way to find hope and peace and joy in this life is through giving up their lives for God. He says very clearly that it is through losing their lives they will be saved. Ultimately, the only way they're going to find joy and peace and satisfaction in this world, find fulfillment, is ultimately by laying down their lives so that they might follow Jesus. Perhaps you remember from earlier our bottom line, if it is, we can say that. You find your life when you surrender it. You see, Jesus is telling them that surrender is what we are going to see in our lives that's going to rescue us from sin and shame. God is showing us that through submission to Him, we are going to find out who we are truly meant to be. You know, this week I was working in a coffee shop over in Hanahan, and as I'm working, a few 
we'll be high school age girls come in and start chattering. And you know how that goes. You get a bunch of high school girls going and the conversation just goes all kinds of places. And as I heard them just interacting and talking, just overhearing them, I hear them begin to talk about Jesus and the church. And if you're like me, when you're out in public places, when you hear people start talking about Jesus and the church, you tune in, right? I mean, we're over here dropping eaves and trying to pick it up, but I want to hear what people are saying, right? And these three girls are talking, and man, they are laying into the faithlessness of some people that they do life with. You see, they're saying over here that there are people in their school, in their youth group that follow, that say they follow Jesus and they're living in abject rebellion to God. They say they talk a good game, but their walk does not reflect their faith. As if that's not enough, as they're speaking about their peers, they're also condemning the adults in their lives that say they follow Jesus because these adults... These people that they're to look up to, they're proclaiming very clearly, yeah, if that's a Christ follower, that's not what I want to be. If this is what it means to follow Jesus, then I don't know that following Jesus is worth it. Just wanted to grab these girls and just shake them and go like, this is not who we're called to be. One of the girls ends the conversation as they're taking their coffee out and says, you know, if I could find a church where people really live like Jesus called them to, I'd go and I'd worship. I would stay. So here's the thing that I believe they've seen in the lives of those that say they follow Jesus. Here's the thing that I think that we see in our own lives. They have these people who say they believe in God, but they've not surrendered themselves to Him. They ultimately do not trust that Jesus is who He says He is. Now you might say, well, I believe in God, and that's the same thing as trust, but it's not. See, I know that you believe, you know that, because here's what I want to consider. You are sitting in a pew right now, and if you believe that that pew can hold your weight but you have any doubts, what are you going to do? You're not going to sit in it. If you think that pew looks good, but it looks a little wobbly, I shaked it and it kind of leaned over to the side, what are you going to do? You're going to go sit somewhere else. You're not sitting in that pew. It's easy to say that I believe in something, but it's a whole other conversation to say that I'm going to trust it. You see, when you trust that pew, when you trust that it's going to hold you, that it's going to maintain your weight, that it's going to stay upright, what do you do? You sit in it. You surrender yourself to it. You say, it's going to hold my weight. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to look like a fool on the floor. But I'm going to trust that it's going to hold me. I'm going to trust that it's going to sustain me. I'm going to trust that it will not let me down. You see, there's a vast difference between belief and trust in our lives. And I believe what these young women are pointing to is they've got a lot of people in their lives who say they believe in Jesus. They've sacrificed, they've surrendered themselves to this God. But they don't trust Him because their lives aren't any different. 
No, I know that if we would examine our own lives, there are times where we're guilty of that. Where we're guilty of that truth, where we say we believe in God, but we don't trust Him because we try to do things in our own power, in our own strength, under our own authority. And yet, the call of this message, the call of the scriptures is that we are to lay ourselves down before God and to trust that He is going to, set, to make a way for us. We're to trust that He is going to provide a path for us. We're to trust that He will never fail us. As we consider our response to this today, we recognize the reality that life is hard. Life is incredibly difficult. Whether you believe in Jesus or you don't, I know that you're experiencing hardships, you're experiencing difficulty, you're experiencing troubles and trials, and you're suffering. Yet in the midst of that, if you trust in Jesus, not just believe, but trust in Him, Life is still hard. Life is still difficult. Life is still full of sorrows and troubles. But if we trust in Jesus, we are able to boldly, clearly, confidently proclaim, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And if you're here, and you hear these words and you can't find it within you to proclaim that it is well with your soul. And the only answer, the only solution is to trust in Jesus today. Here in the next few moments, you'll have opportunity to do so. Our worship team will lead us in a time of worship and we'll have an opportunity to respond to the grace of God. It's my hope and my prayer today that you who's heard the good news of Jesus Christ coming to bear the weight of our sin and shame, coming to take our place upon the cross, coming to rescue you and I from sin and slavery, that you would not just believe, but trust in Him today. And so if the Lord moves and works in your life, and you want to speak to someone about that today, I would love to hear what God is doing in your life. I'll be right here celebrating and singing this final song together with you. But it is my prayer that you would look to Jesus and call out to Him, trusting that He is who He says He is. If I may, can I pray for us as we begin to worship God with one final song? Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Father, we are grateful for you. We're so thankful for this truth that you are a God who is active and moving in his world. That you're a God who cared so much for brokenness and lostness that you came down to people who were in rebellion, people who crucified the very Savior intended to rescue them. And you show nothing but grace mercy and love to a broken angry people Lord today not much has changed we're still broken we're still angry we are still searching Lord and it is into this vacuum this desperate need you proclaim your message you are still saving 
You are still working and you are still king. So Lord, today, show your grace and mercy to us. Call out to us. Rescue us from our current place. Let us proclaim of our trust in you. And may you bring your redemptive power to your people, changing our hearts and minds so that we might trust in you today, Lord. Father, we are coming to you trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and that he still will do what he said he would do, that he would rescue, he would seek and save the lost and bring them to you. So Lord, today, rescue the lost, bring us to you and lead us to trust. We're grateful for you, Father. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.